Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. We're singing holy together like that. You know, I love that because if you go back to the book of Revelation, says that in heaven, all the creatures in heaven are crying out, holy, 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 you know, and we get to join in with them and be a part with them in singing to our Father today and to singing to Jesus today. He's been so good to us, amen? He's so awesome, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if, if you didn't get that today because, man, you missed out. Uh, that was beautiful this morning. Yeah, the presence of the Lord is so good, it's so real today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. I know we said we're going to do Philippians. It says Philippians on the bulletin, and I know that's going to mess with some of your minds because you know you're, you're stuck. If it says it, you're supposed to do it, but God said not to today, and that's my opinion anyway, and that's what I'm sensing, and so we're going to look at Acts. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and I want to talk about some things that God is just really doing in my own heart and in my life today and uh, just share some thoughts with you about uh, Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost, the whole idea of Pentecost and all that goes with that. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, I want to just pick it up in the, in the first verse there and uh, kind of go from there. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and, and after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, that, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but this next part I want you to hear, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the, word, of the, of the earth. And after this, uh, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And then they go back to Jerusalem, and they go back to, or, uh, back to the upper room, to the place where they had been, where they had had the, the Last Supper, where they had ate together with Jesus and done Passover. They go back to that place to gather together, to be together, and to wait. They were following the instructions of Jesus. And then we pick it up on uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were eating. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If you go back into chapter 1 just for a little bit, it says that they were all of one accord. They were all praying together, and they were all believing for something. They were all believing for God to do something in their lives. That was what they wanted. They, and, they, and they were following the instructions that God had given them. They were looking for what it was that God had promised He would send. And so 
You go back even further, you go back to John chapter 14, and in John chapter 14, Jesus had been talking to his apostles, and he'd been telling them, the disciples, he said, you know, there's coming a time when I'm going to die. And it was a very tough time for them. They were wondering, what in the world? He said, I'm going to die. They were like, things are going good. You're not going to die. Everything's great. And he said, no, I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave you. But he promised them, he said, but I'm not going to leave you forever. I'm coming back and I'm going, to, I'm going to bring you to be with me so that you can be where I'm at. And in my father's house are many rooms, you know, that passage. And then he goes on from there and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. And he said that the Holy Spirit would come. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And he's talking to them about, about doing the things that he had instructed them to do. Go back into this room, be with them, and wait on him. And I will ask the Father, he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And, and it goes on from there. And so we go back to chapter 2 again. And so now they were staying in Jerusalem. They began to speak in tongues. And now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. You know, whenever God moves, a crowd comes together. It's interesting to see that. And you'll look at that throughout Acts. You'll see that when the miraculous, when God begins to move in power, people gather to see what's going on. And that's what happens here. And they heard the sound. They gathered and they heard them and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And it gives you all the different ones, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own language, our own tongues, and amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some made fun of them, however, and said they have had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen careful to what I say, carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. So you go back to the book of Joel. And his prophetic book, and in his prophecy to the people uh, of Israel, as he's writing them, here's what he said. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit, my Holy Spirit, on all people. Not on some people, not on a few people, not on men and not on women, on all people. I love that. He said, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You hearing this? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my uh, servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I love that passage. And that that's uh, right out of the book of Joel. It's a prophecy. It's a prophetic uh, declaration that he makes to the people of Israel. 
every once in a while, something happens on the earth that is so big that it changes everything. Not very often, but every once in a while. This, this week, we celebrated one of those events, June 6th. 75 years ago, about 175,000 men stormed the beaches of Normandy or parachuted in behind the lines one, and glided in in all kinds of different ways. I don't know how many ships. It was huge. 10,000 or so men were wounded and killed, about 4,000 killed for sure, about 10,000 total wounded as they stormed the beaches of Normandy in France to try to come in and take out the Nazis, to take out Hitler, to remove the stench of that from the earth. And they changed the earth. They changed the course of history. Right now, if they had not done that, if they had not succeeded, it would not be like it is right now. We are living where we are today because of those men and the sacrifice they made. And my heart was moved as I listened to, uh, and you may not like him, but as I listened to President Trump's speech, I, my heart was moved as he introduced those men who had fought and, and uh, the ones that were still left. And there's not very many of them left. Most of our World War II people are, have passed away. They're getting very old. And uh, it's hard to watch because they are, as President Trump said, they are the greatest generation. What they did is incomparable. There's nothing like it that's ever been done. That was amazing. And, uh, you know, we owe them a great debt. And so that was a big thing. It changed the world. It's never been the same since then. That, that day, June 6, 1944, marked a turning point in the world. And it's never been the same. But I got to tell you, Pentecost, what I just read to you, is bigger yet. Nothing ever has changed the course of our world like the day that Jesus came to his people in the upper room and fell on them like fire. It changed everything. Nothing's been the same. They heard him. They, they, they were in the room. They were praying together. They were doing the things that they were instructed to do. And then the fire of God fell on their lives. The Holy Spirit came. He descended. It looked like fire. Sounded like rushing mighty wind. And they spoke in languages. A miraculous thing began to happen. They spoke in languages that they didn't know. They began to speak, and as they spoke about what was taking place, everyone around them heard that. It'd be like us walking in here right now, and all of us here being English-speaking, and someone standing up here and speaking in Russian, and we understood them very perfectly. We could hear everything they said and knew exactly what they were saying. We'd be going, how's that happening? And it was because of the power of God. He was moving. He was doing something important. The, the city was full of people, and the church was going to go out, and by doing what he did that day, by moving in the way that he moved that way, by speaking through them into those people, he sent the message out. It, it went out from there and it, and it changed the world forever. And then Peter, something miraculous happened. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to talk. Now, you remember, you go back about uh, uh, 40 days before that, 45 days before that, when Jesus was hung on a cross and died, you go back all the way back to the very beginning, there's a little more than that, but you go back to that place, and when you get back there, you find Peter cowering in front of a servant girl saying, I'm not from there, no, it's not me, denying Christ. Now he's standing up in front of all the people around who are saying, you know, he's drunk, he's, he, he's crazy, and he's, he's declaring. He's not just saying, yeah, I, I believe. He's declaring who God is. He's doing it in power and the Bible says that he continued on persuading. And when he got done, 3,000 people got saved in one day. That's power. That's huge power. Jesus said that you will receive power when I come. 
I love our church. Church of Nazarene is a, is a very important part of my life. I don't know if you guys know that. I was raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I've always been a part of the Church of the Nazarene as long as I can remember. I don't know a time when I was not a part of it. I went to Nazarene College. I went to Nazarene Seminary. You know, you cut me and Nazarene things fall out. I don't know what those are, but they, you know, I don't know. We don't have collars except maybe Olivette, uh, Golden, and, and Purple, and I kind of bleed that. You know, it's just who I am. I, I, I love the Church of the Nazarene. I know it's history. I've, there's books, they're like this thick that I've read concerning the history of the church because I want to know. And, and, and I love our church. And our church's history started off the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene. Did you guys know that? Anybody here know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. There's a few of you. It started off the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene. It's weird, you know, because we don't use that name anymore. We dropped that somewhere along the way, the Pentecostal part, because we grew afraid of some things that we shouldn't have, but we did. And so we dropped that part, but we started off the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene. And the reason we called ourselves that, because we believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believed that when God came here in Acts chapter 2, it wasn't just for a short time. He came to do that to every believer as long as this earth existed. He wants to fill his believers up completely and he wants to cleanse them of sin and he wants to empower them to go out and to do ministry and to do the work that Jesus did while he was here on earth. That's, that was his whole plan. And that's what happened. He began to fill people up. And, and, and I bring up our church because we have done something that I think is, is important for us to begin to move and correct. We have put a huge emphasis on the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. I love that part, by the way. The sanctifying cleansing of sin, the death of our sin nature. We're no longer sinners. We are now saints. We're no longer people who are, who are bound to our sins. Uh, you know, there's an old way I used to declare, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And, and I declared I am, and it's I was a sinner saved by grace. I once was a sinner, but I'm not anymore. I, my name is not sinner. My name is child of God. Amen. My name is child of God. That's my identity. I don't walk around identifying as a sinner. I don't walk around saying, yeah, I'm no good. I walk around saying, man, I am a child of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I live like that. That's what I'm going to live from now on. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going back to that old way. I'm done with that. I was a sinner. You know, don't get me wrong. If you want to know about it sometime, ask me and I can list them for you. I still remember them. The scars are still there. You know, when I was a little kid, I shoved my arm through a a plate glass window and I jerked it back out and when I got done I had a pretty big mess and they sewed it up it doesn't hurt anymore still works really well but there's a big old scar that goes most of the way around my arm and that's not going away even though I'm healed and there's scars that aren't going away but I am not that person I am not that sinner I am now child of God and I am forgiven and we need to learn to live like that it's time to start living like that we got to quit this walking around letting Satan give us our identity by calling us sinner. You're not sinners anymore. You're saints. If you've been forgiven, you are done with sin. The Holy Spirit came to live in you that day. The problem is, and this I'm giving you one part of this, the, the problem is, is that so many of us have lived with the Holy Spirit 
but have never put him to work. We've never allowed him to do the work that he came to do in us. We're walking around, we're forgiven. We got down on our knees at an altar. We someplace along the way said, Lord, I, I was wrong and I'm sorry. We repented of our sins. We said we don't want to be sinners. We want to go to heaven. But then we quit right there. We stopped. The Bible says that when you repent, when you believe that the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, we've got the Holy Spirit available to us, but we're not using it. It's kind of like a lot of you, you know, I don't know too many of you do this, but maybe some of you do. You have this great car you bought and you put your brand in there. You know, like I got this Cadillac, it's a great car. It's got a, a V8 engine in it. It's only got 20 some thousand miles on it. It's leather interior. It's as nice a car as there is alive. But you know what? If I don't put gas in the tank and then get inside the car, put the key in the ignition, turn on the key, put it in gear, and drive away, it's absolutely just a great big paperweight. Doesn't do me any good. And a lot of us are living our Christian lives like that. We're behind that thing, trying to push it ourselves, trying to make things work, trying to push the car uphill, and not living out in the power that God has given to us. I, I love the cleansing. I'm thankful for his forgiveness of sin. Sin has been canceled, but it's time for us to begin to talk about the power again, to come back to that place where we say, you know what? God said a lot of things about power. He said a lot of things. In fact, as Pentecost happened, all of a sudden some things begin to happen. The, the believers begin to gather. They were still Jewish, and so they begin to gather in the temple for prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. They did that along, so they were going up in the temple, and they would get together, and they'd pray. It says that they prayed together. It says that they gathered for fellowship and hearing of the word, and they, and they, they completely committed or completely gave themselves over to the teaching of the apostles to learn, to grow. They began to listen, to hear what he, the apostles had to say. They began to fellowship together. Fellowship together meant that they gained together, they ate meals together, they talked to each other, they prayed over each other, they loved on each other, they asked who had needs, they met those needs, they did all those things together. That's what it means. And they were doing all this. They were working and living together. And then it says that John and Peter went up to the temple to pray one day, and while they were going up there, there's this guy, he was crippled, he's laying there, and he wanted money. And he looked at him, expecting to get some money, and they said, we don't have any money. And we can't help you. No, no, they didn't say that at all. They said, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And man, it says this guy's legs came together. Peter grabbed his hand. He stood up and he started to walk. Miracles begin to happen. Miracles begin to happen, guys. I believe in the miracles of God. I believe God is still a healing God. I believe that so many times because we haven't seen or it doesn't happen every time that we pray, we start going, well, it doesn't happen very often. And I think we're wrong. I think that's Satan's ploy to try to stop us. We need to start believing that God is going to do what he promised us he would do. Now, I got to tell you something. I'm a firsthand experiencer of the healing hand of God in my life. My back, my shoulder, I messed it up. I was walking around here, had classic symptoms of having torn my rotator cuff, couldn't sleep at night, couldn't sit, lay down, couldn't pick anything up, couldn't raise my arm. I was like this all the time. Couldn't do anything. See, I, I think I'm 20, even though I'm not anymore. And I went out to play volleyball. And, you know, an overhand serve is not a big deal, right? Unless you're my age and haven't done it for about 40 years. And boom, 
you're down on your knees and you swear somebody stuck you in the back with a knife and you're laying there and it doesn't feel right anymore. And that's what I did. And so for months I walked around like that. And then two years ago, I'm sitting there at home and I told uh, Darcy, I said, I can't sleep. I'm tired. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to go see a doctor. And she said, let me pray for you. And I'm like, I'm in the boat of, eh, you know, maybe he heals, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. And so she says, I want to pray for you. So she lays hands on my back and she begins to pray. And she, she begins to command that, that my back and my shoulder get well and, and come back together. And, and I said, nah, nothing happened. And she said, let me pray again. And she prays again and, and nothing happened. So I said, I'm going to try to go to bed. And I did. I went to bed that night and I laid down and, and I couldn't get comfortable. But finally I fell asleep. And I woke up in the morning. And when I woke up in the morning, and some of you know this story already, but when I woke up in the morning, the pain was gone and has been gone ever since. I moved my arm perfectly. I can do anything that I did before. There's no pain. There never has been pain since then. It's 100% healing. God healed my shoulder in the night. And you can say, oh, you just had this and pinched nerve. Whatever. Well, they fixed my pinched nerve. Whatever it was, he healed it. And I'm giving him the glory for that today. Amen? I've also seen him heal people in our church i know this guy right over here gary was almost dead he was laying in a hospital he had a heart attack after surgery and the doctors were frantically doing all they could to try to resuscitate him and it wasn't working and someone i don't know if it was his wife i don't know who called me that day somebody called and said gary just had a heart attack and he's not doing well and i just i was in my office now from here to ball state i don't know how long it takes what 15 minutes, 10 minutes. I made it about two and a half, I think. And I, I go flying in there. I ran, to the, uh, ran into where the recovery room was, where he was at. And they were working on him, but they were getting ready to say it was all they could do. They were ready to call it. And I just walked up and I put my hand on him and I just prayed. And they got a heartbeat. They hadn't had a heartbeat before, had they? And they had a heartbeat. Now, it didn't just pop back up. He wasn't walking out that day. It took him a little while, but God saved his life that day. And I believe that. It wasn't me. That was God Almighty who performed a miracle on him. Daryl Young had C. Def. He was in the hospital. His doctors had told him, we don't know if you're going to make it. Went in there and prayed for him. He walked out two days later completely healed and free. It doesn't happen every time we pray, but God is healing. A young lady in my church in Bern cut her eye with a piece of glass, went right through the eyeball. And the doctors told the mom, there is nothing we can do. This beautiful, beautiful girl. I mean, this girl is uh, like a model. She's so gorgeous. And, and it cut through her eyeball, and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. They sewed it up. They said, she may lose the eye, but she'll never see again for sure. She was at church, and she had that eye covered, and we went up, and we prayed over her, and we believed. And guess what? You know what? She went back to the doctor. He took the eye patch off, and he looked, and she could see perfectly. Before she had to wear contacts, she didn't even have to wear contact anymore. <laughs> he completely healed her eye. We saw her at one of the Orange Conferences. I introduced her to you guys. And she said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. See, it doesn't happen every time, but God is in the healing business still. Miracles are still happening because the Holy Spirit of God has come. He's come. He's not somewhere out there. He's in our hearts. Right now we're here and we need to begin to trust and we need to begin to pray and we need to become alive. I'm going to tell you why real quickly here. Because when the, when, when the miracles begin to happen, it says in the next thing here in my Bible, it says he healed this crippled beggar who was over 40 years old, by the way, at that point, the Bible says, which is kind of amazing. He wasn't some young guy who just got a second wind. And then it says 
that there were a bunch of onlookers. People began to gather around. What's going on? What's going on? And guess what happened? Here's the good news. Peter got a chance to preach to him again. And he began to tell them about Jesus. He began to explain to them what had taken place. And he began to open up the, the word to them. And as he began to speak to them, God began to move. The Holy Spirit moved. And there's many who repented. And the Bible says that people were added to their numbers daily. You know what? We walk around in the church so much right now going, I hope somebody gets saved this year. Wouldn't it be good if we could give a report at, at district assembly and we had somebody get saved this year? The Bible says that that's not the way it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be added to our numbers daily. I'm going to tell you something right now. If we begin to testify to what God was doing in our midst, if we begin to see the power of God moving, if we begin to pray for people out on the street, if we begin to see people's lives changed and made whole, there's going to be a, a crowd gather around. And when they gather around, we can tell them about Jesus. And when you tell them about Jesus and they can see it, their lives will be changed. We'll be going to district assembly saying, well, we only had about 3,000 this year who got saved, but it was a pretty good year. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But see, here's the deal. You can't walk around saying, I got my ticket punched and I'm fine. If you're here today and you're saying, well, I'm going to heaven, I don't need to worry about this stuff, then you've missed the boat. I mean, you probably are going to heaven. I'm not doubting that. You know, God says he... he forgives all of us who, who call on his name. And so you're probably going to get to heaven. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to heaven, if you've decided that that's all that you're about, if that's just all you're here to do is just to get your ticket punched so you can get to heaven, I got to keep the track of things. If it's here to get your Sunday school ribbons and all that sort of thing, well, you're at the wrong place because that's not what we're here for. Okay? That's not what we're here for. God has come. His kingdom is now. And you're missing out on the kingdom of God if that's what you're here for. If all you're worried about is getting to heaven, you've missed out on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. We have this incredible hope. We get to live in the kingdom of God now. It's going on. The, the reason why Christianity is, is, seems to be dying is because people don't see the kingdom. Because all they see is just people going, yeah, I, I'm religious. I punched my ticket. Now, now, some of you might be saying to me, well, Pastor Mark, you know, that was good for the apostles and people got healed then. And there is a group of people who actually believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were stopped after uh, Acts, that, that, you know, the Holy Spirit was here for a short time and then he quit doing all this. And uh, we call them cessationists. And there's some people that if I named their names out loud, I'm not going to do it. But if I did, you'd go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. But they're not in our crowd, but, but I'm talking about pastor types who who uh, you would know, uh, they believe that. But here, I want to give you two things that tell me that I don't believe that's true. Number one is there's a man named Stephen following this that took place. And the Bible says about him in chapter 6 in Acts, a man filled with the Spirit and who performed signs and wonders. Now, he was not an apostle. Anybody remember who Stephen was? Stephen was, Stephen was a table servant. He was one that the apostles said, you know what? You can help us serve the widow ladies because we have to have some help. So you'll be good at that. He was a waiter. That's what he was. That's all he was. But he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit and full of power. And he performed many signs and wonders. God was using a lowly man like Stephen 
to move the kingdom forward. There's another guy. His name was Philip. Anybody remember Philip? Philip was a waiter. Here's another one, another waiter. So maybe you need to become a waiter and you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. No, I don't know. Maybe not. That's probably not it. But they just happened to both be people that the apostles had tabbed and put their finger on and said, you, we can use you because you're a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about Philip. He also did miracles. He went out and miracles, signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit moved through him. There was power. And so he went out and he began to do things. And, and there's different places it talks about him. But he ends up with the Ethiopian. That's the most, uh, most famous of his miracles. The Ethiopian eunuch whom he leads and teaches, to, teaches Jesus and teaches him what all the scriptures means. And he baptizes him. And then, whoosh. He's gone, transported him out of there to wherever else Jesus needed him to be, the Holy Spirit needed him to be. It's a miracle. I mean, it was just, it's incredible stuff. And you might be sitting here right now saying, well, I don't believe in that. Well, you're missing out. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is miracles. It's power. It's signs and wonders. It's purity. It's all of the above. And we need to begin to get back to that. We need to go back to that. We need to quit fearing that, that we might not get it right. You know, a lot of times I think we don't pray over people because we're afraid. We're sitting there saying, you know what? If I pray over them, what happens if nothing happens? Well, I don't know. They just don't get healed. They're not healed anyway. And, you know, you just say, God, you're in charge. And then you go back and you pray and you care about whatever's going on. You get in your quiet place and pray and say, God, help me. I can tell you one thing it's not. You know, I, I just want to make this clear to you that you're not getting healed or somebody not getting healed has nothing to do with faith. Bible says if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, you can do anything. And that's not very much faith. You know, you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just have to trust that the Lord is good and do what he asks you to do. And, and you know what? I think that as we begin to work in the Spirit, as we begin to touch people and pray for people and care for people, God's going to get busy and do some things. It's going to change some lives. You may not even see it all right, right but, but God's going to do some things. And when when miracles happen, when God moves, when power happens, it draws a crowd. And when it draws a crowd, you can tell them about Jesus. And you get to tell them about Jesus, they get to hear. And when they hear, they will repent because you're filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And you're not just telling them about something that maybe happened to your grandma. In fact, you know what? The Bible, the, the Acts is really books of testimonies of, of everything that happened. Paul, if you look at Paul, he just continually, I read through that, he, he tells his testimony of how he got saved over and over again in the book of Acts. Did you ever notice that? Why do you think that's true? It's because testimonies are powerful. If you've got a testimony, if you're sitting there right now and you're saying, oh, I don't have a testimony, then get a testimony. You know, begin to pray and seek the Lord until he fills you with his spirit. When he fills you with his spirit, you'll have a testimony. When you have a testimony, then you will have an ability to tell people about Jesus. The word and testimony are powerful in changing lives. When you begin to tell people, this isn't some theory, but it's real. It's happened in my life, and here's when it happened, and here's how it happened. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. So, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe he's come. And I believe that he's living in all of us who believe. But I think it's time for us to say, Lord, I don't want a dormant Holy Spirit. I don't want a Holy Spirit who just sits there. I don't want a car sitting in the garage that I never use. I don't want that. I want the power. I'm willing to do what it takes. I want the power of God in me. 
first of all, to save me and to cleanse me and to wash me clean. And secondly, to use me to go out and be the testimony and be the testimony of Christ through power, through signs and wonders and things that God wants to do. And that's our heritage. That's our heritage. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, that's not our church in Nazareth. Yeah, it is. See, way back, as I was saying earlier, I've read these books. They're, they're big, fat ones written by a guy named Phineas Brzee. Anybody got a kid named Phineas around here? You know, I don't know how that name didn't catch on, especially in the day and age we live in now. You know, I probably just gave somebody an idea. You're going to have a baby boy. I'm going to name him Phineas. That's awesome. You know, I, you know, Brzee, he's not God. You know, he was just in the chain of people, but he's the one who started the Church of the Nazarene. And, and you know what? He pastored a church in Los Angeles, California, in the midst of, uh, of great revivals that were going on out there, sweeping, burning at that point. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and he would, he, he had his church, they called it the Glory Barn. And the reason they called it the Glory Barn was literally people would walk by it and look at it and say, there's something about that. It's glowing. And it wasn't lights. You know, middle of the day, it would glow. It would just glow. The glory, the presence of the Lord was on that place. People were getting saved. People were getting sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit and cleansed. And people were getting healed. And people were practicing and living out the gifts of the Spirit. And God was moving. The Holy Spirit was on that place. Wouldn't it be awesome if instead of people saying, oh yeah, the church with the pond next to Meyer, they would say, that church that glows on 332. The presence of God is so on that place it glows. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for our church. That we would no longer be a church of people who are comfortable. I'm telling you right now, it's killing us. We're so comfortable. I heard someone ask this week, do you think we could send people over and we could do D-Day again if we needed to? I don't know. We're pretty comfortable these days. I don't know. Maybe we could. I'm, I'm, I don't want to doubt anything, but man, we've become so comfortable. And, you know, really, the churches have become so comfortable, so predictable, so controllable. I really don't know that there's much that we're doing that we need the Holy Spirit to help us do. I mean, I love going to the mission and making breakfast, and I'm not putting that down. We need to keep doing that. And if you're not involved, you need to get more involved. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't need a lot of power to go make breakfast. You don't need a lot of power to preach messages up here. Anybody could do this. You don't need a lot of power to teach a Sunday school class, and you don't need a lot of power to clean the church or trim up the hedges. But you need a lot of power you need the power of the Holy Spirit to truly change a life, to deliver somebody from addiction, to bring healing to people's lives. You need a lot of power. You absolutely do. Amen. And that's all in the Bible, guys. That's all right in here. I mean, it's not something that we were making up or that we figured out and we can trick people. Or it's, This is the Word of God, and we need all of it. And today, what I'd like to do is invite you, you know, Nathan's going to come up and he's just going to play softly today. We're not going to sing necessarily. He's just going to play softly. He can sing if he wants to, but I mean, whatever the spirit leads him to do. But, but what I want to do today is invite you, any of you that God is touching you right now and you're going, man, I need that in my life. I've just been going through the motions. I've just been kind of getting my ticket punched. I'm, I'm living in the comfortable Christianity. I'm just getting along. I'm not really 
doing anything with it. God's not really moving. I don't sense his power. I've got the Holy Spirit because I've asked him to forgive me. And the Bible says you do have it then, but I'm not taking the car out of the garage and driving it. We're not putting gas in it. We're not letting it uh, be what it was made to be. You know, I want to invite you to come and pray today. Just come and pray. And I know you're going, oh, you know, we've been to the altar a thousand times. I know, I know. But they're still here. And I, I just feel in my heart that we just got to keep praying and keep reaching until God comes, until God does something, until we, until we see a move of God that, that we haven't seen in a long time, until God moves. And um, we're also going to pray for healing. There's a theme in our church right now. It's called backs. We have a lot of folks who have bad backs. They're hurting. And when God gives you a theme, you need to go with it. So I'm going to go with that theme today. If you have a bad back, I want you to let me pray over you today and touch you and bring healing to you through Jesus Christ. And then we're also going to pray for Roger. Roger is Diana's brother-in-law. You know, he was healed before that surgery. I, we prayed over him and, and they were able to, they, they went in there. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. God had touched him. It was cancer, but they had touched him and he he was well, and we just praise the Lord for that. But we're going to pray for him. He's sick right now. He's having a heart issue down in Florida. How many of you think God can cover those miles? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's right. So as Nathan plays, let's all stand together right now. And if God is speaking to you, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you want all that God has for you, would you just come and let the fire of God fall on you one more time? And if your back is hurting, I want you to come over here with me. All backs, get over here with me. Because I'm going to pray for all the backs in this church right now that are hurting. Clear all the backs. See, it's a theme. Amen. And I'm the king of hurt backs. But I believe that God is the king of hurt backs more. And he's the one that's the healer. Amen. Amen. So Lord, right now. I just want to lift up to you all these beautiful people with sore backs because Lord, you brought them here today to show your power, to demonstrate your power, to bring healing and wholeness to people. You do not desire for us to be sick. There is not a person here that you want to leave injured, hurt, sick, hurting. Melody Aldridge out there across the miles at her home right now with her back, Lord, include her in this. Lord, Mike Jameson, where he's at right now, include him in this, Lord. Pull him in here right now in, in his spirit, Lord. Let's just touch him too. And in the name of Jesus, all the backs in this room are healed. They're coming back together. All the pinched nerves, all the spine problems, all the muscles that are pulled, all the muscles that are hurt and stretched, all the ligaments that are out of place, all the, I, I don't even know all the details of it, but Lord, all the nerves, everything that's going on, Lord, it is healed in the name of Jesus completely, fully. You're touching it right now. The pain is leaving, Lord, and right now they're experiencing wholeness. They're experiencing your touch, Lord. They're experiencing everything you have for them right now in the name of Jesus, complete and total healing, Lord. 
And we believe that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we accept all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, all that, Lord. And right now, Lord, help us not to walk around in doubt. Even if we don't feel it right now, Lord, help us to believe what you said would be. And we're going to trust you. We're going to live in that. And Lord, for those who are kneeling at the altar in prayer and they're saying, Lord, I don't want to just be an empty vessel. I don't want to just have a car sitting in the garage with no power. I pray for your power to come upon people right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, I know there are even some sanctified folks up here, people who have died to themselves and said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but have gotten weary and tired. Lord, a fresh and new feeling. I love it over in in Acts where they said they prayed and, and you refilled them and you shook the room again, Lord. Would you do it again, Lord? Would you shake the room today? Would you fill people with your spirit again today? May they just realize your presence, Lord. May they get up with a new heart and a new fire and to go out and to begin to, to pray and begin to go out and give it away. And Lord, help us to remind us, Lord, that when we, when we have been given this gift, the more we give it away, the more we get. Lord, this is not a gift we can hang on to. We cannot hang on to your Holy Spirit. We cannot hang on to all this and say, well, it's mine and I don't want to give it away. Lord, you gave it to us to give away. And as we give it away, you're going to fill us with more. And as we give that away, you're going to give us more. And we're just going to be overwhelmed as we continue to give it away, Lord. So help us to go out and to pray for others and to lay hands on others and to believe for others and to tell others and to trust others, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'll just fill this place up for Sunday, not so that we can say, look, we have a big crowd, but Lord, so that we can gather together to be renewed together so the Holy Spirit can follow us again so we can go out in Muncie and make a huge difference. Lord, I want to see drug addiction brought to its knees. And the only way I can see that happening is as you deliver drug addicts from their their addiction. Lord, I want to see people healed that are broken. I want to see cancer brought to an end. I want to see hope where there's hopelessness, Lord. And you are the only one who is hope. And so Lord, right now, Jesus, we're just believing for you and we're trusting fall fresh and new on us today, Lord. All over the place, just fall fresh and new on us today. And we give you praise, Lord. We give you praise right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, right now I want to pray for Roger. Go to Roger, his heart, Lord. Heart be healed in the name of Jesus. Touch all the arteries, touch the, the nerves, the, the things that are coming in, the, the, all the vessels that carry the blood, Lord. Right now, just touch them all in the name of Jesus. May it be healed completely. May he have a new heart. May he have a strong heart. Lord, use him not only to sit there, but to further the kingdom. Lord, if you touch his heart like this, I pray that you will fill him with your spirit in that new heart so that he goes out and begins to share Jesus and nothing can stop that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Anyone else that needs me to pray for anything right now? Your liver? Okay. Okay. Lord, right now, we're praying for Amy. Liver, you have to listen. All the disease and all the things that are going on are gone. Complete renewal. Complete healing. Lord, our faith is big when it comes to this because, Lord, we've seen people healed. So touch completely and fully and give her a whole new liver. If you need to, Lord, you can do a liver transplant if you need to, and give her everything she needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know that happened to a guy. He got a whole new liver. They showed him he's at Vanderbilt. It's a documented case where his liver had died. They called the family in and said he's going to die tonight, and then incredibly didn't. And they begin 
it got better and better. And they, they actually, and right beside the old diseased liver was a brand new liver. And they said, we don't understand this. Okay? Yeah. Nikki, let me pray for you again. I'm believing for your back. Okay? In Jesus' name, touch Nikki right now, Lord. The back is healed and she's given strength. All this nerve pain, all that's down her legs completely, Lord. Just remove that pain in Jesus' name. Completely, all the pain is gone. Healing, hope. Lord, I pray for peace for Nikki right now. Lord, give her peace and give her an ability to accept what you've done for her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Believe for that. We're going to trust you. Amen. Crowd looks good back here, buddy. Love you, man. Love you. Amen. Well, Lord bless you. And here's the deal: when you leave this place, I don't want you leaving going, "Well, that was nice service," and just walk out of here. I want you to leave and take this with you, and tell your friends, and tell people, and get excited. And you know what? You're all running into people who are broken. And tell them, I've got healing for you. And offer them Jesus, okay? Just tell them, say, hey, you know what? I know one that can help you. His name is Jesus. You don't have to be, you don't have to be too smart to do that because it's not about smart. It's about being willing and having a heart for Jesus. That's all it's about. And how do you get a heart for Jesus? You get into the Word and begin to read it until it just fills you up. You know, you can't read a couple of verses and say, I have all I got. All I need, you got to get into it. Sit and soak in it. Let it sp- speak to you. Shut off the TV if you need to. I love it. Somebody, I think it was uh, uh, Shelly was telling me she's got a no screen summer going on. I like that. Tie off the screens and turn on the Bible. You know, let's hear it and let's do what God wants. Amen? Amen. Well, good to be with you. Lord bless you. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you. Take care. <laughs>